Welcome to the River Life Podcast. As you listen, we pray that you will encounter Jesus and allow His words to wash you anew. May He reveal more of who He is to your heart. Here's the message for this week. So like what Elder Yang said, uh, today we begin a new sermon series called God Is. And so for the next five weeks, we'll be exploring different facets of who God is. Now we started this year um, exploring what it means for God's river to flow in our church and in our lives. And so in this new sermon series, we will explore the source of this river, who God is. You know, as believers, one of our primary callings is to know God. How we relate to God and how we live our lives flows out from our knowledge of who God is. So, um, today we will explore God is love and our scriptural text today is 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 to 21. Can I invite us to rise for the reading of God's Word? We will read verses 7 to 12 first and then come back to the other verses later on. Okay, let's read this together. One, two, three. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and His love is made complete. Let's pray. Lord, we look to You once again. God, and I pray that this day, as we look to you, you will open up our spiritual eyes. Lord, if there's any skills in our spiritual eyes that prevent us from seeing you and knowing you rightly, Holy Spirit, this day, I pray that you would give us a revelation of who you are. Give us a revelation of your love. You know, God, we know that you love us, and this is something we hear about so many times. God, but until you open up our spiritual eyes, God, Lord, we might not or we will not fully know the measure of your love for us. So Holy Spirit, we invite you into this sanctuary. We know, God, Holy Spirit, that you have been given to us so that you can lead us into all truth. And so this day, we open up our heart, our mind, and our spirit to you. Holy Spirit, we ask that you will illuminate um, the truth that is found in your word, that God, you love us so, so much. God, and help us comprehend that, help us realize that, and help us live in that. So we once again give of our hearts and ourselves to you. God, we ask that you will speak to us through your word. Lord, we commit ourselves to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yeah, you may take your seats. I've broken up today's message into two parts. So the first half will cover who God is, that God is love. So that's the first half. And the second half, will cover our response to God's love. 
that we are to love one another. So the first half, who God is. The second half, our response to love one another. You know, uh, we, when we were younger, we all had our understanding of love. I remember my first crush when I was 13. I'm not sure if you know that. Uh, um, it, was, it was with a girl from another church, uh, the church that I came from before I uh, came to River Life Church. And I remember how I felt the first time I saw her. Uh, and when I was with her, you know, your heart starts beating faster. And when you are talking with her, you feel that everything in life is perfect. You feel like you are in love, right? We have all felt that before. But you know, this understanding of love, which is actually more infatuation, is actually more about myself, how I feel and me wanting more of it. Now that I am married, uh, entering to the fifth year of our marriage with two kids, and having two kids, I believe, is God's discipleship program for me. Um, and both of us fully engage with our work, right? So we've got marriage, we've got kids, we've got work. The challenges of marriage is real. And my understanding of love has evolved and been refined. Love is now more about the other person rather than what you can get from her. Love becomes less about yourself and more about those around you. So what is love? What is God's love? Now, even though I grew up in church, being taught Christian values, whenever I come back to Scripture and when I come before God in prayer, I realize I still hold a lot of unbiblical values, a lot of unbiblical beliefs about God's love for me, who He is and His love for me. I realize I have imposed my meritocratic worldview onto God, onto who He is and how He relates to me. This is my first point. God's love for us is unconditional. Not that we love Him, but that He first loved us. You know, we're brought up in a world which teaches us that love is earned. It has been ingrained in us that love and approval is shown to us only when we do something right or when we become someone right or when we do something well. You know, this is found in our workplace. When we perform well, approval is shown and everybody loves us. But when we perform badly, the opposite is true. You are seen as not good enough and you have to work yourself back into favour. Now, this is sometimes even seen in our friendships. Now, it's definitely a lot more subtle here, but we innately gravitate towards those we enjoy being around more. Now, within this dynamic, love and affection is implicitly given based on who we are, how we look, what we have, and what we can give. Finally, even in the environment when love should be most easily found, many of us have grown up with parents whose love towards us is conditional. Affection and approval are given only when we do well in our studies or when we behave a certain way. Throughout our lives, all of these experiences have taught us that we are loved when we become someone that others want or when we do something that has people's 
approval. Love has become conditional. I will be loved if I perform well at work. I will be loved if I get better grades. I will be loved if I have more money. God will love me if I am more holy. God will love me if I spend more time with Him. But this is not God's love for us. If you believe God loves you because you are good, you do not know God rightly. God does not love us because we are good. God loves us because of who He is. Verse 9 tells us that God showed us His love when He sent His one and only Son to die for us. When God showed His love to us, we did nothing to earn it. We were sinners living in rebellion with no knowledge of who He is, no gratitude for what He has done and no relationship with Him. Our sin repels Him, angers Him, separates us from Him. And in our unloveliness, in our guilt, and filled. God not only says that He loves us, but He expressed His love in the most concrete way by sending His one and only Son, the one whom He had unbroken relationship with since eternity, to not only die for us, but to also take on our ugliness and our sin so that we might receive the one thing we can never earn in our own effort reconciliation back to the Father. God loves us because of who He is. And if God loved us when we, when we were at our lowest, then there's nothing we can do. No one we can become that will make God love us less or make God love us more. If you hate God today, God still loves you. If you are living in sin today, God still loves you. If you have walked away from Him many years ago, God still loves you. We are loved by God with an unconditional love. Verse 10 says, This is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and send His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. The basis of our relationship is this, not that we love God, but that He loved us first. The basis of our relationship will always be that He first loved us, and not because we first loved Him. The implication is this, church, the implication is this, we do not need to live rightly first before we can enter into a relationship with Him. We do not need to be a good person, a righteous person, a godly person before we can have relationship with God. Here is the kindness and mercy of God that He allows us to be in relationship with Him first before calling us to keep His commandments. Now church, we must have this understanding clear that He calls us into relationship first 
before asking us to keep His commandments. He calls us to be in relationship with Him first before asking us to live rightly. But now having entered into a relationship with God, this should lead us towards right living. 1 John 5.3 tells us that love for God is to keep His commands. When we are genuinely in right relationship with God, the natural outcome is that we live our lives rightly before Him. Right relationship with God leads to right living for God. The struggle for many of us, including me, every single one of us, the struggle for us is this, is that we think that we need to live rightly before God before we can have a relationship with God. We confuse the sequence of things. This is love. Not that we love God first, but that He first loved us. So River Life Church, I pray today that you will experience the grace of God afresh. The grace of God that says that He loves you no matter where you are at. The grace of God that invites you into this love. The grace of God that beckons you into a relationship with Him. Church, this is a foundational truth that we must know. And until we know and understand it, until we know and understand that God calls us to right relationship first before right living, our faith would always meet with frustration. Right relationship comes before right living. Moralism tells you that right living leads to right relationship with God. Grace tells you that right relationship with God leads to right living for God. At the end of the day, we need both right relationship and right living. The only difference is which serves as the basis and which serves as the consequence. Is the basis of your relationship with God grace or moralism? I am not advocating for cheap grace. I am advocating for the gospel of Christ. This is the good news, not that we love God first, but that He first loved us. This is the invitation open to all of us. The invitation to enter into a love relationship with God and allowing that to serve as the basis for living rightly for God. Will this be our posture today? Right relationship with God first, then right living before God. Number two, God's love is encountered through the Holy Spirit. Verse 13 tells us that He has given us of His Spirit to know Him and His love for us. Just like in 1 Corinthians 12, 3, which says that no one can confess and know that Jesus is Lord apart from the Holy Spirit. I believe we cannot fully know the love of God apart from the Holy Spirit. Romans 5, 5 tells us that God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I was born into a Christian family. I grew up in Sunday school 
And from an early age, many of my teachers and church leaders have taught me that Jesus loves me. I sing Jesus loves me, this I know. I understood what that means conceptually. And I think many of us can relate to that. You know that Jesus loves you. But in so many ways, um, just like many of us, it's more I know about God's love for me than I know that God loves me. When I was 14 years old, my family shifted to River Life. We came from a more traditional church. And at that point of time, River Life Church, I think it was 1999, River Life Church was just experiencing the move of the Holy Spirit. This was something very new to me. I've never experienced that before. My church was choir and organ. So when it came to mega life, it was drums and guitar, electric guitar. Um, so it was something very, very new to me. But what was also, and more importantly, what was also very new to me was the move and the person of the Holy Spirit. And during times of worship, I could somehow sense God's love for me. And I was attracted to it. It was, it was like my spirit was connecting with a reality that was very tangible. But I cannot understand it and I don't have language for it. Church, you know God is spirit and we are also spiritual beings. So to know God, we need to connect our spirit with God's spirit. You can't know God, right? If all you do is read the Bible and your spirit don't connect with Him. You cannot fully know God that way. To know His love, we need to open up our hearts to the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So during the course of the year, the Holy Spirit was gradually working around the hardness of my heart. And through His ministry, I was slowly getting to know Jesus and His love for me. At the end of that year, I went for a camp in Tiong Bahru camp. How many of you were there in 1999? I think Charles, Charles, were you there? I think a few of us were there. Uh, yeah, we were at that camp at Tiong Baru at Boys Brigade. And my life was forever changed when I encountered God's love in a powerful way for the first time in my life. This was something hard to describe in words because it was first and foremost a spiritual experience. But what I cannot deny is the reality of this experience. My relationship with God was never the same after that. He became a real person to me, not a theoretical concept that my Sunday school teacher taught. Ever since then, the Holy Spirit has been instrumental in my relationship with God. We are spiritual beings, church. We have a spirit and God is spirit. Therefore, God's love is not something it's not just something we study. God's love is revealed and encountered as the Holy Spirit ministers to us and as we connect with the reality of His love in His Spirit. River Life Church, we need to learn to engage our spirit with God's Spirit or else there will be a limit to the degree that we can know God. So Holy Spirit, we open our hearts and our spirits to you. We ask that you will reveal God's love to us as we posture ourselves to receive your ministry. This is our heart's prayer. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this place. 
we invite you to minister to us. Show us who you are and your love for us. Amen. Amen. Point three. God's love is perfected when we enter into a covenantal relationship with Him, not a transactional relationship. This is found in verse 13 to 18. I won't, exp- I won't go through every single verse, but let me explain the context of these verses. When we read the letter of 1 John, we will realize that there is a church split that took place. This was because uh, there was this group of believers who were called Gnostics. Okay, you don't have to know what that is. Maybe some of you are Googling what that is right now. But anyway, I'll explain that to you. They were called the Gnostics and they were carrying false doctrines and spreading it, which was confusing the congregation in John's church. Now, this, this group, the Gnostics, they believe that Jesus is only a spirit and that he never came in the flesh. And they also believe that they carried some form of special revelation that others don't which is required for salvation. So, so they, 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 they teach that unless you join their group and carry that revelation that's apart from Scripture, you, you won't be safe. So this caused the congregation in John's church to be anxious about their salvation because they were told that they are not truly safe unless they believe in what the Gnostics believe. So false doctrine was being circulated in the church and people became fearful about their salvation. It is out of this situation that John needed to assure his flock that they need not fear. But how can they have this assurance? John explains this in verse 17. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. What does it mean in this world, we are like Jesus? In the context of this verse, I believe it means that in this present world, there is Christ-likeness displayed in our lives, that we live our lives like Jesus. And John says that when we live our lives like Jesus, we can have confidence on the day of judgment. This is because living like Jesus is the evidence of our relationship with God. Now, living like Jesus does not save us. Placing our trust in the finished work of Christ saves us. But living like Jesus shows that we have placed our trust in Jesus and we are truly in relationship with Him. Once again, right relationship leads to right living. Right living where we keep God's commandments and our lives reflect Christ-likeness comes from the overflow of our relationship with God. So, mathematical equation, if there is right living in your life, in this world, we are like Jesus. There's right living in your lives. It is the evidence that you have right relationship with God but the basis of your salvation is right relationship with God, not right living. But right living is the evidence of right relationship with God. It shows that you have right relationship with God. Verse 18 goes on to tell us that perfect love drives out all fear because fear has to do with punishment. 
the one who fears is not made perfect in love. What does perfect love mean? Isn't God's love already perfect? God's love is perfect. It is pure and unmovable. It is our response to God's love that is not perfect. Here the word perfect has the same Greek root word as the word complete. Therefore, the word perfect and complete are used interchangeably within this posture of Scripture. So verse 18 can also be translated, completed love drives out all fear. Church, God's love has a function. It has a purpose. And God's love does not reach its full intended purpose until we are in a covenantal relationship with Him, where His love has compelled us to love Him back and to give our lives to Him. God's love is not completed in us. God's love has not fulfilled its intended purpose if we only enter into a transactional relationship with Him. Being transactional with God might look like this. God, I believe in you. I recognize your death is sufficient for the covering of my sins. And I appropriate that through faith in you. I believe in you so that you can give me eternal life. And that is all I want from you. I want you to give me eternal life so I believe in you. But I don't want to have a relationship with you. I believe I am saved by grace but I am not interested to encounter this grace or to be transformed by this grace. God, I want what you can give me, but I do not want you. God's love is not perfected in this person. God's love is not completed in this person. Church, can you hear the cry of God's heart for you right now? God wants you and I to be in a covenantal relationship with Him. When who we cherish, what we cherish is Him. And what we desire is to be in communion with Him. But this desire does not come from us trying harder to love Him, but from us learning to receive His love and to encounter His grace. This is love. Not that we first love God, but that He first loved us. Over the years, I have learned that my relationship with God starts with me receiving His love. It starts with me opening up my heart to Him and saying, God, I desire You to speak to me. It does not start with me trying harder to be a better Christian. Every time I do that, it has been met with frustration. And so each day I have learned to ask God, God, speak to me. God, minister to me. God, show your grace to me. God, strengthen me. God, help me. God, be with me. I know I cannot live like Jesus in this world. I know I'm not a holy person. My wife can attest to that sometimes. There's the brokenness in my heart. I'm not a perfect person. I'm not a holy person. I know by my own strength, 1 John 5, 3, which says, 
to love God is to keep His commandments. This is something that is beyond me. I feel the weakness in my life. But I also know that when I'm in relationship with God, and when even in this moment I can feel His presence and His nearness in me, I know that it is Christ in me that lifts out the Christ-likeness He desires in me. I want God's love to be perfected in my life. I want God's love to be completed in my life. So church, do not be transactional in your relationship with God. Do not carry a performance mentality in your relationship with God. You do not need to perform rightly before God. God already loves you. Enter into relationship with God. Do not try harder to be a better Christian. We will all fail, every single one of us. But learn to receive His love. Learn to posture yourself to say, God, I want to know your love for me. I want to know your grace for me. And until that is your posture, your Christian faith will always meet with frustration. By your own strength, you can't leave that out. And church, when we are in a covenantal relationship with God, this perfected, this completed love will drive out all fear. We will not fear the day of judgment because our confidence is not found in an abstract theological statement. I remember I was watching this show called 39 with Hui Ting. Um, it's a Korean drama and one of the shows is about this girl who's going to die and in one of the scenes, she was pondering about where she would go after she died. And I remember that struck me. I asked myself, where would I go after I die? I've been through Bible school, seven years of it. I understand the Greek of of, of the New Testament. I understand that God, I am covered by His blood. But in that moment, there was a certain degree of fear. Am I really sure? I realized that mere theological studies alone might not give me the assurance. But when I'm in relationship with God, when He's a real person to me, I can feel His love for me. He is real. That gives me assurance. And that perfect love will drive out all fear when it comes to the day of judgment. So this is how we can have assurance of our salvation. When we know His love and come into a covenantal relationship with God. This is the first half of the message. I promise the second half will be shorter. The second half of the message is this. The call to love one another. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a lot shorter. In the verses we are looking at today, um, John makes three appeals to the congregation to love one another. The first appeal is this. We love because we share in God's nature of love. In verse 7 we read, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The first impetus for us to love is, the first impetus for us to love one another is found in the reality that we are born of God. And as God's children, we share in His nature. 
God is love, and if we are in relationship with Him, His love will transform us to become more like Him. And His nature is love. And so this would overflow into our relationship with others. Therefore, we can love one another even if the person is difficult to love because we share in God's nature of love. I know some of you might be saying, I'm not experiencing that reality right now. Some of you might be asking, Zhen Sing, you don't know this person. You don't know this cell member. He's really difficult to love. Zhen Sing, you don't know this friend. You don't know what she has said to hurt me in the past. It is true that it's sometimes challenging to love. But we don't have to like that person to love that person. The application point here is this. We are called to love one another with an agape love, not a filial love. Let me try to explain. Throughout verses 7 to 21, right, every time you see the word love, um, it is the Greek word agape. Therefore, we are called to love one another with an agape love. Now, this is contrasted with filial love, which is a love based on affinity with the other person. Wait, what is, what is filial love? Uh, filial love is, I like you, I have a chemistry with you, I enjoy being with you. Therefore, I will love you. Our best friends, our friends, people we hang out with are the people we have affinity with. So there is filial love among us, right? But agape love is not like that. Agape love is self-sacrificial and self-giving. Agape love is not, uh, there's nothing much about this person that attracts you to him. Agape love is not dependent on who the other person is. He or she can be someone you don't like, can be someone who has hurt or disappointed you, and this will not affect agape love because agape is not dependent on the other party. Right? This is agape. Not that we love God, but that God loved us first. There's nothing in us to attract Him, us to Him, but He loved us. So we are God's children and we are called to love one another with an agape love, God's love. Point number two, love for one another is a sign of our love for God. Verse eight, whoever does not love does not know God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Verse 19, we love because He first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen, cannot love God whom they cannot see, whom they have not seen. And He has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. In verse 8, John writes, Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Now, to fully appreciate what John is saying in this verse, we have to go back to the context of this letter, particularly in verse 1 to 6, right? Today, the passage is on first, uh, chapter 4, verse 7 to 21. We will look at verse 1 to 6 right now. What is the context of verse 1 to 6? Now, in verses 1 to 6, the apostle John was addressing the problem of deception that's occurred in church. Remember the Gnostics that we were talking about just now? So here... John is teaching his congregation how to discern what is true 
and what is false. He wanted to give his congregation clues on how they can discern if someone is walking in the truth and genuinely following God. He wanted to give um, his, his congregation clues to discern how to tell someone is from the Gnostics, those who are from the false prophets and those who are of um, true believers of Jesus, right? So in verse 2, in chapter, verse, uh, first John chapter 4, verse 2, he teaches that the first way you can tell if someone is a true disciple of Christ and not someone sent from the false prophets is that if this person acknowledges, recognizes, believes that Jesus has come in the flesh and that he's not just some spiritual being, okay, okay I want to go to details of that, that he also came in human flesh. Now, this is an important truth. As we move to verse 7 to 8, this problem of deception is still in view. How do you know if someone is a true disciple of Christ? To this question, the Apostle John gave a second sign. See if this person truly loves those around him. See if this person loves the uh, brother and sister in Christ. Our love for one another is a sign of the authenticity of our relationship with God. If we are truly in relationship with God, the natural outcome is that we will agape those around us. You know, sometimes we ask ourselves, how do we know we are growing in our relationship with God? Is it when we pray more, when we do our quiet time more, when we do more ministry, when we, when we, when we read the Bible more, when we live a more moral life? Now, all these things are good and we should continue to grow in them. But a central yardstick that John gives us is this. If you want to know if you are growing in your love for God, look at your love for those around you. When we are growing in our love for others, it reveals that we are growing in our love for God. Verse 20 tells us, if you cannot love your brother whom you can see, you cannot love God whom you cannot see. If you cannot love your brother whom you can see, you cannot love God whom you cannot see. Now what does this mean? I believe what John is saying here is that it's actually difficult to assess if someone is truly loving God. Because sometimes you can fake your love for God by doing the right Christian things. However, you can't fake your love for those, for others, because this can be witnessed in real life. Whether you really love those around you can be told by those whom you are loving. Therefore, to know if we are growing in our love for God, look at how we are loving those around us. River Life Church, we cannot deceive ourselves. We cannot rationalize our way out of this. If there is a Christian brother whom we have unforgiveness towards, if there's someone who we, you, you carry resentment or bitterness towards, then we need to look to God and ask Him to help us love that person and release forgiveness. Remember, you don't have to like that person, but you have to love him or her. Because we cannot say we love God if we do not love one another. Finally, my last point, our love for one another reveals a picture of who God is. Verses 11 to 12. 
Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and His love is made complete in us. One thing we should notice as we read this letter, right, is that the focus of this letter is on love within the Christian community, how we love fellow believers. Now, obviously, Scripture teaches us to love all those around us. The parable of the Good Samaritan is a good example, right? As God's people, we are called to love our neighbours, our pre-believing friends, and the wider society. This is part of what it means to love others as ourselves. But specifically within this letter, the emphasis is on loving our Christian brother and sister. The burden of this text is on love within the Christian community. You know, the Bible has always taught about the invisibility of God. God is a God we cannot see. Scripture tells us that no one has ever seen God. The Old Testament forbids the Israelites to set up any image in their worship of Yahweh because there's no image that can fully represent God. And yet, against this backdrop, Verse 12 tells us that if we love one another, the God whom the world cannot see is made concrete in our love for one another. When we love one another, we reveal who God is. God is love. A picture of God is shown when Christian brothers and sisters love one another. John 13, 34 to 35 says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. We are all imperfect people, and we are all different from one another. We all come from different backgrounds, and we all have different preferences. With the passage of time, it is inevitable that we will disagree with one another and sometimes hurt or disappoint each other. Church, if you would allow me, if you allow us to be open to your, this has played out in our leadership, where in the past we as leaders have not demonstrated what it means to love one another. And that has resulted in much pain and disunity in the church. It's a lesson that we have learned and we are resolved to not make that mistake again. In our times together over the past few years, I've seen how our elders and our senior leaders consistently reiterated their commitment to love one another and to place relationship before function in what they do. Now, this is not just something that they have said, but this is something that they have also modelled to me. And just as how God is teaching our leaders to love one another, I believe He's also calling now us as a church to renew our commitment to love each other. River Life, all, over all these years, I know we have sometimes disagreed and quarreled with each other oh, for different reasons. You know, within yourselves or within relationships, or I, I don't know what has happened but none of us is perfect in this church. Every cell leader, every church pastor is imperfect. Every ministry leader, every ministry volunteer is imperfect. 
You know, we all have our strengths and weaknesses and our strengths sometimes get irritated by the weaknesses we see in others. Just as how others don't like the thoughts that they see in us. And in this mixture of differences and shortcomings, we are called to love one another. Each of us who is imperfect is called to love our brother and sister in Christ, who is also imperfect. River Life Church, can I invite you? Can you look around you? Just look around you. Look um, at every brother and sister in this century. Every person in your cell group, no matter how imperfect they are, no matter what differences there might be, each person is someone you are called to love. I would like to call us today to renew our commitment to love one another. Can I ask to bow our heads in prayer? I'd like to pray for us to respond to God's word today. But before I do that, I'd like to give an invitation to anyone who has never acknowledged Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I'd like to give um, you an opportunity to accept Christ into your life. You have already heard that Jesus does not require anything of us before you enter into a relationship with Him. So with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, um, if today you desire to know Christ and to receive Him into your life, can I invite you to raise your hands? If there's anyone amongst us who would like to receive Christ, let's give a few more moments. Is there anyone? If not, can I invite us to stand? Um, let's just respect this moment. I'll just take the next five more minutes and then we'll be done. I'd like to pray for us. Yeah, can we all look to God in prayer? Um, yeah, let's just remain a posture of prayer. Let's look to God in prayer. Holy Spirit, we invite you into our midst. Holy Spirit, in this moment, we ask that you would reveal your love for us. I want to pray for anyone here who is struggling with the belief that they need to live rightly, that they need to be a good person, that they need to be a godly person first before God can love him or her. God, I pray this day for all of us that all of us would release our need to perform before God. All of us will release our need to live our lives rightly before God first. Having released that need, we enter today into a relationship with you. Lord, I pray this day, Lord, that you will give us an impetus, give us a hunger, give us a desire to come into relationship with you, to relate with you rightly first, Lord, to learn to receive your love, to learn to receive, Lord, to, to learn to hear your voice, God. Lord, in, the, in that posture of love and relationship, God, 
Lord, when we, when we are in relationship with you, we will want to live rightly for you. We will want to love those around us. So God, I pray for all of us this day, Lord, that we will learn to have right relationship with you first before trying to live rightly for you. And God, I pray this day, God, Lord, won't you um, position our hearts, Lord, to learn to love every single brother and sister in Christ, Lord, in this church, God. Every single person in this church is someone we are called to love. So God, this day, we renew our commitment to love one another. Church, can you repeat after me? God, let's say that again. God, this day, we renew our commitment to love one another. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Why don't we give God a big praise offering? Thank you for listening to the River Life Podcast. We hope that you've encountered Jesus through the Word. If you'd like to connect with community or find out more about River Life Church, find us on Facebook, Instagram, or head on over to riverlife.org.sg. God bless and have a great week ahead.